Here's a news flash. Surprise, surprise. Well, look at you. The whole world is watching for my next move. Oh, my God. Times have changed. There are no rules. You're going to love it. Hey, and welcome to Skip Intro, the podcast from Binge, all about the world's best television. Each week, we're here to discuss the biggest new shows on Binge. And starting this week, if you hang around to the end, we will also be discussing this week's episode of Succession, Season 4, Episode 2. My name is John Bowen, here with Ali Herbert-Burns, and together we look after all the great TV and movies that you see on Binge. Ali, besides geeking out on Succession at the end of the pod, what are we talking about this week? So excited. We have got Love Me, Season 2, the Binge original, so we're going to have a talk about that because that's coming very soon and then we've got a new british comedy starring lily allen called dreamland should we get stuck into it there's lots to talk about yeah let's head back to melbourne for love me some people find a way to let love live alongside their fear but i've never been able to do that I, i'm still no good at it i just always thought i'd end up with someone like you it's why I waited for so long. Binge's first ever original series is back for a second season. The Logie Award-winning Love Me returns to continue the Melbourne love story of the Mathesons as they traverse the highs and lows of love and life. Ali, should we catch people up to what's happened with the Mathesons? Sure. So Love Me, season one, as you said, the Mathesons, a family living in Melbourne, and the series is really anchored around, so spoilers, um, in the first episode, the mother of the family kind of, she dies. So um, her and her husband have been married for 40 years. She's um, not very well in the end and a bit grouchy. And the family are all together having a dinner for their wedding anniversary. And there's a fight at the dinner table between the adult kids and the mum. And it's quite a a tense family dinner party. And at the end of the episode, the mum passed away. So season one is really about the kind of unexpected shock death of the mother and all of the characters in the family then dealing with that, led by her, more primarily by her husband, played by Hugo Weaving in the character of Glenn, and his daughter, Clara Matheson, played by Bojana Novakovic, and Will Lotter, who plays the son as well, Aaron. But you've kind of got three generations in a family dealing with the loss of their matriarch, their mum. But at the same time, as often happens in life, good and bad can happen at once. Grief and love can happen at once. And they all fall in love um, and various stages of a love story. So you get three family love stories in the setting of yeah the Matheson family going through different stages of life. So we left them at the end of season one. Clara had fallen in love with someone that she met quite randomly in the end, not through the dating sites, a guy called Peter. Hugo Weaving's character, Glenn, fell in love quite quickly with someone he met shortly after his wife died. The character, Anita, played by the wonderful Heather Mitchell, they're having a backyard wedding and in their home somewhere in East St Kilda. End of the wedding, Clara says to Peter, shall we have a baby? And there's also this random wedding guest that comes through into the garden and who looks a little bit suspicious seems to somehow know Anita. So you're kind of left wondering who has Glenn just married? Does he know who he's just married? Because who is this strange man? So we left them on a few questions. Um, and brother Aaron had found out that he was unexpectedly <laughs> expecting a baby with his ex-girlfriend. So he was kind of left in a bit of a surprise situation as well. So season two picks up about nine months later and Clara and Peter are strolling across Princess Bridge. And these are now the next stage of where these relationships have got to. It has the kind of initial love bubble lasted. And, and as you kind of 
take your new relationships for those of us that know what that's like when you kind of you know get out of that first bubble and you kind of realize where you put your lives together how do your friends go together how does life happen around it it's kind of the next stage of these relationships which have got there as they always do their ups and downs well speaking of bubbles season one was shot in the very depths of covid lockdowns in melbourne season two was not and I think as a result just as a viewer feels like it has like a lightness and a brightness and there's just an an energy to season two partially because you know I'm sure it's part of the storylines and where the characters are heading but also I imagine not having those sort of lockdown restrictions that created the sort of the feeling of of season one. Yeah, it's really true. I think you've gone from the main vehicle in the first season is grief. You know, they're they're dealing with the loss of their mum and their wife. But in season two, the stories are about love. And so there's actually a lot kind of more stories going on because you're following the three characters all kind of in the ups and downs of their lives. But they're also opening up themselves and coming out of that grief and, and getting kind of getting back to life. And in a way, visually, that's how Melbourne looked as well. You know, we were so fortunate to be shooting during COVID when I know so many people were locked in at home and Love Me kind of arriving at the end of that second lockdown year was a bit of a love letter to Melbourne in lots of ways. But, you know, we were trying to shoot scenes, busy places, Flinders Street Station with very few extras and things, which was lucky. It meant we got to get on set in some really cool places in Melbourne, but the city looks in this season like the Melbourne we know and love as well. You know, people are on the street, they're walking around with footy scarves, they're at cool bars and clubs and and we just take this family and this story deep into the streets and the suburbs. Melbourne is almost a character in this show in that you feel like it's a day in the life of people living in the city. We use lots of shots of sunrise over Melbourne and busy nights in Melbourne to really make you feel like you are just following the lives of three people living in a really big city and that city just happens to be beautiful Melbourne so and I think as their love blossoms and they get out of the fear and get on with life a little bit as well they open up and they soften and certainly for Clara that kind of main character she's really opening herself up and letting go to a lot of the things that have probably held her back in life doesn't always go smoothly but uh yeah there was lots of kind of romance and the show is very sexy in season one and um, we're continuing to highlight and yeah lean into the joy that is new love one of my favourite characters that helps kind of get Clara out of her head is, of course, the very talented Celia. Silly Pacola, the wonderful Celia. Yeah. yeah, she actually joins this season as a writer as well. So, so many of you will know her. She's a brilliant comedian, but what's great seeing her in Love Me is in a dramatic role. She plays the wonderful best friend, Sasha, who works with Clara in the hospital, the kind of friend everyone needs, kind of slaps you into place a bit and gives you the good advice and just has such a cuttingly um, honest way of doing it. But, yeah, she actually joined the writer's room and writes episode four, I think, and, yeah, it was just great having her voice and her comedy in it as well because although there's it's a drama and there's lots of stuff happening, it's really funny as well. And I think we just wanted to bring that to it because it helps. It kind of reflects how life is. It doesn't, you know, it's not always serious or gloomy. Yeah. Well, we had the obviously the great privilege of having a premiere, a couple of premieres, but I was able to attend the one in Sydney and to watch season two, episode one with an audience was amazing because it's a drama, but there are still like such funny life moments in it. And to like just see a crowd of a few hundred people like get caught up in, in some of the humor was great. But I feel like if we talk about it anymore, we're going to spoil it. That is true. So, that is true. <laughs> So season one out there for you to stream right now. Um, and all episodes of season two are dropping Thursday, April 6th on binge, just in time for the long weekend. That's what we thought a bit of an Easter binge. We dropped this on Boxing Day a year ago now, Christmas last year, and we found that people we yeah, were on holidays and chilled and just absolutely burnt through this and, and watched all the episodes. So there's six apps, all for you to binge. 
and not dropping week to week. So yeah, happy Easter, enjoy. And please at us at the show um, to let me know what you think about it. Love to hear your thoughts and feedback. You're not a child, you're a father. You can't run away from that. You don't care? Oh, Catherine, of course I can. You might be able to live in the sunshiny moment and hope everything's going to work out. Sometimes it doesn't. Starring Freema Adjaman and Lily Allen in her first ever TV role and executive produced by Sharon Horgan, the new UK comedy Dreamland is set in the seaside town of Margate and explores the secrets, lies and loves of a family of four sisters. Where are we? You're in Margate, babe! Out of the way, villains! Have we got girls back here together again? Welcome to the house! What? Are you alright? There's a baby in there. A what? So, Ali, we have just uh, talked about a, a Melbourne love story and the family and loves that get caught up in it. This is a Margate <laughs> set comedy, much more in the, the comedic realm than Love Me, and stars excitingly and sort of almost as a revelation, Lily Allen in her first TV role. Like, she's fantastic. I can't believe when you said that was her first TV role. I was like, surely not. Yeah, it is. It's shocking, but she's fantastic. Well, there's so many cool things about this. So as you said in the intro, Sharon Horgan, lots of you um, will be familiar with her, no doubt, but Catastrophe amongst one of my favourites that she created, wrote, I think, and stars in, and also the um, recent series from Apple TV, Bad Sisters, which was about four funny sisters as well in Ireland. So here we are with four funny sisters in Kent on the seaside in Margate, but it's really fresh. It just jumps off the screen with some really fresh voices and fresh points of view on this family. I've only watched the first couple of episodes and I'm already quite intrigued. You've got four sisters. Lily Allen kind of plays the black sheep of the family. How do I say it nicely? Yeah, she's kind of like she turns up on their doorsteps kind of unexpectedly. Something's gone wrong in her life and it feels like maybe that's a common occurrence. And she's got like a 500 mil can of beer in her hand. In the middle of the day, yeah, and then this journey of these sisters starts. But I think we'll find out as we go through as well that they might be an interesting collection of sisters as well. They all seem really different. And, yeah, it just it just it felt fresh to me, don't you reckon? It just felt different. Yeah, and I think I've watched a lot of British television in my time and there's just something about the setting of Margate. It reminded me a bit of Gavin and Stacey, but you just, I think when you think British comedy or whatever or, or British drama, there's often this sense of like it's raining and they're in on the countryside or they're in middle of London or something and Margate just feels like I don't know anything about it, so I'm sure it's a very different town to what I'm imagining, but it just feels really fresh and different as a setting. So that was also part of what makes this show so interesting. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of one of the fancier seaside towns, I suppose. Kent Coast is one of the closest coastlines to London, so there's lots of day commuters and, you know, it's kind of one of those home counties that's close to the London set, so you go get people kind of moving back and forth. But this is a family that 
are living and basing themselves there. There's a cool grandma connection straight away. So, yeah, definitely the different generations of family, the grandma, the mum and the four sisters. We haven't actually touched on the plot exactly, and this is all in the trailer, so it's not a spoiler. But basically, Trish, who's played by Freema Adjaman, is pregnant, having a kid. They're looking at a house. Everything seems normal. She's already got a couple of kids. She's got lots of boys. She wants a girl. She's... She wants a girl. Yeah. She's manifesting a girl, as they say in the show. And then, of course, as we mentioned, Lily Allen turns up. We're not sure exactly why, but we also very quickly find out in the first episode that she is also pregnant. Unexpectedly. Very unexpectedly. She didn't think she could get pregnant. And then I've only seen the first few episodes. This is just me guessing. This isn't a real spoiler, but I think who the father is might be a secret that is explored in this. So that's my guess of where it's heading. I also got the vibe that this is going to be sisters coming together to help each other through and, you know, almost helping her raise it or whatever. But um, yeah, the generations of family are definitely going to come into this and kind of the Motley crew coming together. It's very bingeable. These are like classic 22-minute apps and they're all ending on cliffhangers and you just want to keep pressing play. And do they all drop at once, John? They do. And by coincidence, both Love Me and Dreamland are dropping on binge on Thursday, April 6th, just ahead of the Easter long weekend. Hey, Mum. I've got some bad news. Oh, my God. No! I can't do this on my own. You're not alone, are you? With all help. Damn right. None of us had dads. We all turned out pretty bloody fantastic. We got anything stronger than non-alcoholic vegan wine. So, Ali, this podcast is coming to you on Monday. New segment on the podcast for the next couple of weeks. We love Succession so much. We're going to release the podcast on Mondays to give us a chance to talk about that day's succession. So, season four, episode two, rehearsal. Yes, spoiler (laughs) alert. So, either, you know, fast forward or come back once you've watched the episode. But season four, episode two, rehearsal has just dropped on binge. And we're going to get into it. My boy Squiggle cooked up this beat for me. Kurt just called me soy boy. You lack killer instinct. You're wet, you're green, you're intellectually insecure. And I'm proud of my family. Your principles? So, Ali, last week, obviously, we talked about the premiere and the premiere of season four and sort of all the big plays that had happened between the kids sort of setting themselves up to take on the father. And in this episode, we've got a couple of family things happening. Connor is having his rehearsal dinner for his impending marriage to Willa, which now may or may not happen. And uh, Carrie, who is Logan's assistant slash confidant. New girlfriend. Slash <laughs> girlfriend. I think, in, I think in last week's episode, she introduces herself to cousin Greg's like girlfriend at the party and she's like uh, assistant and... Um, advisor so she's she keeps getting promoted i loved the like the little storyline in this episode where she's clearly got in logan's ear and is like i want to be an anchor on the news and the family is all sort of quite like meanly as they do (laughs) making fun of her audition tape to try to get on atn news so they're kind of the side things that are happening but at the core of this Logan is about to sell his business or most of his business to Alexander Skarsgård, who runs Gojo. He wants to buy Waystar Roco for all their great TV and movies and stuff. That deal's about to go through, um, and it means Logan's going to be left just running a news channel, which is kind of his passion, I guess. And we see him, like, literally roaming the floor of the news channel, being very intimidating to, to the people that work at poor old ATN. 
Yeah, so in when we finished the end of season three, you had this treachery between the children and their father and for the first time ever the kids coming together to go up against their dad. They failed but at least now they're about to get their payoffs and they're already planning what they're going to do with their money. The big point um, I think we said last week was the kids coming together and uniting is something we don't normally see. There's normally one of them splintering off or all trying to you know, secure the love or favour of their father. And I kept wondering who's going to splinter first or kind of let dad back in. So certainly in this episode, that's what we see. Three of the kids are hanging out together, kind of plotting their next move. They basically want to disrupt the deal going through. They think they should get more money, but they're hanging out with their other brother, Connor, ahead of his wedding, as you say, and the rehearsal dinner. Connor gets a bit loose-lipped and lets their dad know what they're up to. So he kind of gets the first insight into what they're up to and, and you know, comes down and meets them where they all are in a karaoke bar somewhere <laughs> celebrating with Connor. Because Connor wanted to go and, like, have a beer with normal people. <laughs> yeah. That's a funny scene, is that? What do normal people yeah. order? What do normal people drink? Yeah, so funny. Uh, and this karaoke bar, that so you get this first, the proper, you know, the family's back together and you get the first interaction of how that goes down and also how the kids are all responding and it's clear that the character of Roman is already texting his dad. And I think last week we were said who's going to break first yeah. and, and, you know, maybe start to um, communicate. So you start to see is this line going to stay together? Roman's always been the most, like, needy for his, or not needy, but, like, most afraid of his dad's wrath maybe. There was a scene in an earlier season where he basically could have had the vote to have that, what is it, like, when you don't have confidence. Yeah. Yeah, like he could have kicked out Logan and his dad like yelled at him and he just shut up kind of thing. Um, and you can see that again in this episode where it's like uh, the tiniest slither of love or affection or like validation from his father and he's like ready to blow everything up again. Yeah. I had a question though. We left season four, episode one, thinking that things were pretty much done. The kids were going to buy PGM, the other news company. Yeah. The, the dad had sold Waystar Royco to Gojo and was kind of just going to settle into his billions and work on the election coverage of the news channel. And then what's come out in this episode is that like, oh, maybe there's more money to get out of Gojo. And now the kids are like considering stopping the deal or trying to get more money out of Gojo. Is it just the money? Like, do they just want more money? Or is it that they think they could like somehow get back in with the family? Or like, I was just a little confused at motivation because, or was it just too neat, the idea that the kids would go and do their own thing like they always still want to hold on to waystar yeah no it's a really good point i don't think they're trying to hold on to waystar i think it's going back to the reason they were kind of motivated at the end anyway which is they're doubting their dad's their dad's judgment and his motivations which they really have since the first season when he was potentially mentally unfit after his brain hemorrhage or whatever and his judgment was off that whole first season but I think Shiv is is very grounded in this and I, I think it's a bit of motivation in getting back but it's also his judgment's not right. He could have done a better deal. And if he cut us in and we had more time and we're all working on it maybe together, this is not actually the right deal. I don't think they want to stop the deal, but they do want to complicate it and get more money so that they can do more. You know, the week before they were talking about what they wanted to do with it. I think what's interesting about Shiv's character this week, there's been some really interesting tracking through the series of her quite dysfunctional relationship with her mother, the kind of love-hate hate relationship she has with her brothers and the way they all talk to each other again, looking for her father's approval, but she's kind of always had someone on her side. Like she wasn't part of the board spill. She wasn't the drug addict like Kendall. She wasn't kind of the... She was like on the bench, like ready to come in, but never 
in the game. Capable, but I think she's also really a bit like Logan, who's on to his like fourth or fifth, you know, wife or whatever come this season, like doesn't really know how to love or doesn't really know how to communicate. So the person that's with her now backing her is her siblings. It's not a husband anymore with Tom. It's not a dad. I feel like she's always got to have someone. She's got to be in partnership with someone. I'm really interested to see what happens with Shia's character. Can she step out if her brothers end up letting her down, like her mum has let her down, her dad's let her down and her husband's let her down? Will she be able to step in clean and kind of take the succession or be the she's the only one of the three of them to me that feels like if she finds her core can be the one that could helm it on her own. And what I found interesting about this episode, it was her instinct on the deal details that brings this kind of complication up. And obviously Kendall, the brother, who's the kind of financy businessy one normally and the really good business head kind of validates it and says, no, actually, you're right. This, we could be getting a better deal. This is not a good deal. But it just showed to me in the absence of anyone else around her, her emerging strength and her voice, I think, that we're going to start to see because she's also the one that's the most vocal against a father and the one that's really holding the line and the bitterness of because he hasn't just betrayed her as a father. He hasn't betrayed, just betrayed her on a financial and corporate perspective, but he's ultimately betrayed her because he turned her husband against her in the yeah. ultimate betrayal. So I feel like she's the most motivated now. Like knowing how scheming everybody is and knowing the chess that everyone is always playing, in my mind, I'm just thinking if they get more money from Gojo, they still sell their assets. Dad still owns ATN. If they kind of partner up with Dad to get more money out of Gojo and the kids buy PGM, is the dad on the path to achieving what he's always wanted to do, which is always, he like the dad always wanted to buy Pierce. He always wanted to have this enormous global news thing. And he failed a few seasons ago when he tried to buy PGN and that great um, season with Holly Hunter mm-hmm. as the CEO. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of trying to play out what everyone must be thinking because it's like they're slowly getting back into each other's orbits and it's like, yeah. are they going to realise they're more powerful together? I f- it feels like, I mean, the kids at the moment are trying to buy Pierce so they'll be going head-to-head against their dad with rival news networks, really, which is kind of cool. Rather than coming together as a big conglomerate, these are gonna actually going to be run separately based on this at the moment because the family's separate. I feel yeah. like the deal's going to get blown up um, they're going to be left with an obligation to buy Piers <laughs> and the other news network and no funds to do so. So the only way to do it will actually be to come together and ultimately merge them, as you say. But, yeah, it also feels like she's, she's relationship with Piers and the other media group that's what's brought this deal together as well. So, But we haven't even got really to talk about Tom and Greg, who are our favourite characters. <laughs> Is it fair to say? Yes, yes. And there's some great Tom and Greg action. Oh, this- my God this episode. So Greg and Tom are basically on the floor of ATN because Logan is roaming menacingly. Like a shark, the isn't he? He's like yeah, a like shark. A shark. Tom, who I think is running the network at this he point. Is. But He's the boss of the news division. Yeah. He got promoted from yeah. the cruise line and, and the fire dump that was the, yeah. the, the Disneyland equivalent. Yeah. And basically my favourite storyline, just because it's so funny, is Kerry trying to become this anchor and nobody wanting to tell her that she's not very good. So Logan won't say it to her. Tom is like, Greg, here's a little project He's for you. He's a learning experience. T- you want to yeah. step up. Yeah. Yeah. You want to step up. Go and tell your, like, Soon to uncle's be girlfriend <laughs> yeah. she's fine. that she's terrible on camera. Um, and, yeah, they have an amazing, what's the word, tete-a-tete mm-hmm. sort of thing because neither of them have a lot of power, but they're both within the orbit of power. So seeing them together was a lot of fun because neither of them have anything over each other or like 
you know, Greg might think he has the family name over them, but Kerry would think she's got Logan over him. So it was like great to be like, no bullshit. They were both just like going at each other. Very so good, I just want the show to end with like Kerry presenting the news. <laughs> it's called the rehearsal this episode because it is Connor's wedding rehearsal night. But as is always the case, business over family or business clashing with family it felt like at the end of this episode that the next day's wedding was potentially going to be disrupted by a deal and Logan kind of coming in like the hurricane that he is and choosing money and a deal again over his son's wedding at the end of season one Shiv and Tom's wedding overshadowed by a deal and it kind of became a story about you know you really you really ruined my wedding then at the end of season three we have um, the children's mother getting married in Tuscany and there's a big deal cutting across the wedding so here we find ourselves in season four with yet again a Logan deal potentially upsetting what's supposed to be a really important day in your life and He's mm. poor Connor being let down by his father. Yet again. I think the the moral of the story is if you're a Roy, then nothing is more important than a deal. And Logan says something at the end of this episode, and I'll paraphrase it poorly, but it's something along the lines of like, you're nothing without this. Like in any other scenario, these kids would be nothing. Like their whole existence and power comes from the fact that they got lucky gene pool and we have these roles and this money and this power. And it's like, if you take that away, there's actually nothing there mm. because they've not built anything for themselves or developed any relationships or found anything outside of being Roy's. So we've got to find out more in this season. You think back, because I've gone back last week on the podcast, I said, if you've never watched Succession, you're one of the luckiest people in the world because you've got 29 apps. Well, we went back and started again for the third time, I think, um, or fourth time to watch it. and. We're in season one, um, Logan's getting out of the pool at Connor's ranch and his back's covered in scars, like, he's, you know, it looks like shrapnel wounds almost. There's never been an explanation for that, um, for what those scars are, I don't think. And I don't think we've ever really got into where does, yeah, Logan's rage or pain or anger come from. And um, to what we are just saying before, if we, maybe if we can understand that better, we can understand why he's the father that he is and... It's really a case of intergenerational trauma then, doesn't it? You just see the damage being yeah. passed down the line. Yeah. But, um, anyway, we could talk about this forever because we love it so much. We've got, we're so, so excited to have Nicholas Braun in Australia at the moment promoting succession. You know, Cousin Greg just plays such a brilliant role. I still think he might be one of the last man standing kind of Stephen Bradbury <laughs> winners in the end of all of this, what happens in this show. Um, yeah. And we'll be, yeah, we'll be sharing with our podcast listeners the uh, exclusive interview we had with him while he was in Sydney this week. Awesome. Well, we will continue to talk about Succession every week, so please stay up to date. New episodes of Succession are released Mondays on Binge. Thanks to Daylight Savings, you now get a little bit earlier. So new episodes dropping at 11 a.m. going forward um, with new episodes rolling out all the way up to the finale on May 29th when hopefully we find out Cousin Greg takes over the whole company. The whole but, world. <laughs> yeah, the whole world. He becomes president. <laughs> Amazing. Well, we've probably spoken too long today. Um, dinner party recommendations or any other major highlights dropping on Binge this week? It feels like there's so much content out. What else have we got? There is so much content. And if Love Me and Dreamland dropping on the same day wasn't enough, I just want to quickly shout out the new season of Dave oh, also yeah. drops. Yeah, Dave, one of our favourite comedies, also uh, begins on Thursday, April 6th. So your Easter long weekend is just chock-a-block. So Amazing. 
So yeah, if you've not checked out Dave, um, it is a comedy about an up-and-coming rapper. So if things, and in terms of the humor, things like Curb Your Enthusiasm, things like Barry, even stuff like Atlanta. Workaholics. Workaholics. Yeah, if that kind of world interests you, check out Dave. And if you're already into it, then you're getting um, Fast Tracks episodes coming to you from April 6th. How is the search for love going? I mean, I had such high hopes. This was supposed to be like the romantic climax of life. I'm so happy that I get to see America for what it is. You're like my favorite rapper. Is that me? It's concrete. This is the heaviest thing. <laughs> wow. You're with him every day. How do you resist him? Are you serious? <laughs> because I'm with him every day. This week on Skip Intro, we discussed Love Me, which returns for its second season this week. We talked about the new UK comedy um, Dreamland starring Lily Allen. And then, of course, we dived right into this week's succession, uh, which we'll be doing every week on Skip Intro uh, leading up to the finale on May 29th. And I also reminded everyone that they need to watch Dave because uh, it's also back this week. All of these shows are streaming for you right now on Binge, which, of course, you can find on your favourite device. I'm John Bowen, joined every week by Ali Herbert Burns. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast was produced by Dan Barrett with audio editing and mixing by Chris Yates. And we'll be back next week with... More skip intro and more succession. <laughs>